Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. We've been going through uh, Matthew chapter 6, if you haven't been here for a while, or just to kind of catch you back up. If you have been, you're just slow and really struggle with remembering like I do. I always forget. Sometimes I'm like, wait, what am I preaching this coming week? So if that's you, uh, we're going through Matthew 6. And um, this is, in this passage, Jesus is really spending a lot of time on spiritual disciplines, maybe what we would call religious acts, and how they can really be beneficial to us. Matthew chapter 6, and uh, tonight specifically we're going to be looking uh, at verses 16, 17, and 18. That's how far we've come uh, through Matthew chapter 6. So let me read it, and then we will we'll start to dissect it a little bit. It says here in verse 16, Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive, so that their, face, uh, so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So that's the passage that we're going to look at, really short and sweet. And it's actually perfect. This is perfect timing. I didn't know this until staff meeting today. But next week, we are actually having a church-wide fast day. Who knew that? Not the pastor. So, um... It would actually surprise me if a lot of you guys were like, oh, yeah, I knew that. You didn't know that? Yeah, so. But, um, so next Thursday, in eight days, uh, we are encouraging anyone a part of Evangel Temple that they want to, uh, to fast with us. And so um, that's just spending time in prayer, and um, we'll get into a little bit of what fasting is. But that's really just setting aside something that you've designated, something that you really care a lot about. And to say, you know what, instead of doing that, when I normally would on a Thursday, I'm going to replace that time with God and spending time with Him and praying to Him. And so um, this is actually perfect to, to look at this passage tonight. It just worked out that way. But um, we, we've been calling this series Radical Religion because, like I said, these have been religious practices that Jesus looks at. First, we were looking at giving to the poor. Just giving our money, sometimes that's associated with, uh, in the church, tithing, giving 10% or however much you would designate. Um, I don't think 10% is really a hard and fast. you got to do 10. You can do whatever God would lay on your heart. But giving, and then that's a religious thing, thing something that you would do consistently um, in order to hopefully draw you closer to God. Uh, and then we also looked at prayer, and uh, that's another religious activity, this discipline that we would do. And then... We looked at, and today we're going to be looking at fasting. So Jesus is spending some time in Matthew 6 talking about these religious disciplines. And in doing that, he really teaches us a few things about religion. And um, the first one is simply that religion's not bad. A lot of us think that religion's bad and need relationship. But really what we've come to find out is that religion is actually the wheels to our love for Jesus. It kind of puts feet to us living for Jesus. We might have a love for him, a passion for him, and say, I want to be close to Jesus, but how do you do that? Well, the vehicle of doing that is, is religion. And so, um, so religion's not bad. That's the first thing that we've really come to find out. Jesus really endorses doing these religious practices. The second thing that we've come to find out is that Jesus assumes that we do them. If you, if you go back through chapter 6, 
He says in verse 2, when he starts talking about giving to the poor, he says, when you give to the poor. It's not if you give to the poor. Jesus really says, when you do this. I'm assuming you're going to do this. So when you do that, and again in verse 3, when you give to the poor, if you jump down to the passage where he's talking about prayer, he says it in verse 5, when you pray, not if, when you pray. Verse 6, when you pray. Verse 7, when you pray. And now today's passage, whenever you fast, again, it's this assumption Jesus would have that all of us have reason to fast, that we're going to be fasting. Jesus is making this assumption, when you fast, verse 16, verse 17, when you fast, there's this assumption that we do these religious practices and that they should be things uh, that are a part of our lives. Fasting is one that I think many of us have kind of lost the practice of, of fasting. It's kind of a lost art in the church today. But I think hopefully today in this passage or in this um, sermon, we might see that it might actually be a really good thing that a lot of us could use. And so um, religion is good. It's not bad. And Jesus actually assumes that we would do it. And then the, uh, the, the last one is that we should do them for the right reasons. Jesus assumes we should do them, but we should do them for the right reason. Uh, and this really, Jesus kind of has the same type of language in all the, to- uh, all the different chunks. Whenever he talks about giving, whenever he talks about uh, prayer, whenever he talks about fasting, he says really the same thing, right? He says, don't, um, don't do it where you're unattractive and you're fasting, and everyone can tell, like, oh, are you fasting? Like, yeah, I'm fasting. Like, don't do it for that. Don't do it for attention. Don't do it for popularity. Don't do it to impress anybody else for those people have the reward. That's all they're going to get is people's attention. And so if you think about it, say prayer, Jesus says if you're praying, lifting up your hands in a worship service and you're just praying to God and, and you're doing it because you, those people behind you, you want to impress them, Jesus says that's all your reward. And so really, if you're really praying to seek a worldly audience, you're losing your heavenly audience. He's not going to listen to your prayers. He's going to cut off and just say, okay, you, you can have what, you, what you're wanting here. Uh, I'm not going to have anything to do with your prayers or your fasting or your giving. I, I, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to acknowledge it. And so he says, do it for the right reason. Don't do it for the reward of others, but do it for the reward that your Father gives you, your Father in heaven would give you. And I've been suggesting that really this reward that God gives us is that it would, it would unify us with him. It would make us more like him. It would make us um, uh, more with him and together with him. It binds us to him. It unifies us to God. As we would give, it unifies us to God. As we pray, it unifies us to God. It binds us to him. As we fast, we do these things to be unified to God. Let me give an, an analogy, okay? And I brought this up. This is not typically something I do, but I need Devin, Ryan. Devin, Ryan. I was about to say Devin, Ryan. Devin, Tyler, you guys want to come up here real quick? Okay. Give us some, I have to go quick, though, because I've got so much stuff. But this is an analogy, okay? This is religious practice. This rope is. Okay. Here, you come over and stand by, by Devin here. Okay. Tracking with me? Religious practice here. This is not something I normally do, but I'm doing it today. You, my friend, are a person, and you, Tyler, can be God. Okay. <laughs> so why would you give to the poor. Well, I think that as you give to the poor, okay, let me um, use this. Oh, 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 wow. Wow, you are bound closer to God. How are you bound closer to God as you give? Well, I think it, it binds you to his character. It makes you more like God. So if, if, you are, if you are wanting to, if you're like, 
well, I say I'm a Christian, but I really, I don't see that in how I live. Start giving to the poor. Start giving your money to the church. Start pouring out sacrificially giving, and I think you will find that your character, your nature, will start to be bound to God's, and you will start to be more like him. If, you, if you're really maybe confused and you're wondering, like, well, why, why would God ever do this in my life? Why, why would God ever allow me to go through this? What is God's plan? You just don't understand. I think you should start praying. And you should be bound to the way God sees the world, bound to the way that God thinks, bound to the way that God sees the world. As you start spending time with him in prayer, I think these religious disciplines bind us to God. It unifies us to God, and it just brings us more with him, more like him. And I think fasting is the same thing. I think as we fast, as we spend time fasting, this is a vehicle, a vessel, in which we are made more like him and are closer to him. I think as you fast, it's happening one more time, boom, you are bound tight to God. Is that comfortable? Yeah. Okay, there we go. Give it up for our friends here. That was the quickest I could do with that analogy. That was the most youth pastory thing I think I've ever done in my life. I feel good about it. Okay. I don't want to lose you in that, though. We are bound to God as we do these religious disciplines. So how does fasting bind us to God? How does fasting unify us to God. Well, I think fasting ropes us or unifies us, bonds us to God as we become more dependent on him. If you, if you want this idea of, uh, if, if you don't know exactly what fasting is, well, fasting is where you would maybe give up food is probably the most common thing. You give up food, and any time that you would be hungry for food, you would choose not to eat and instead spend that time with God. And you, you would find that you become more dependent on God. As you're hungry, you're going to depend on God. And maybe as you look at your phone, if you're, if you're just always looking for um, likes and all that stuff, fast to social media. Anytime that you would pull out your phone to look at social media, you fast that, and instead you choose to spend time with God. You're choosing to, instead of that thing that you like a lot, and you want, you're going to cut that out of your life and tell God and tell yourself both. I'm going to depend on God, not that thing. You are the being that I want to depend on. That's what fasting is. And I think as we choose to fast, we are roping ourselves to him because we are becoming more dependent on him, more leaning, more leaning. You lean more on God as you fast. You look to him in what you need to sustain you in whatever way that is. You lean on God rather than something else. You become more dependent on him, and therefore you are bound closer to him in your walk with Christ. So a few things that I want to say about fasting, four things in particular. The first one is that what you cut out must be sacrificial. If you're saying, I'm just going to fast Vienna sausages, nobody eats Vienna sausages, so that doesn't help at all. When you fast Vienna sausages. Who actually likes Vienna sausage? Okay, well, that's disgusting, friend. You got to fast something that you actually like. You got to fast something that you want. And you got to fast something that you crave. Something that you need. That's why, that's why food is the most common. is because it's so quick that you would be hungry quickly. And at that point, then you can fast. Or that, that, then you can uh, turn to God. That's when the fast really starts to happen. It's not just cutting the thing out and that we'll get there. 
You must uh, cut out something that's, uh, that would be sacrificial to you. It's meant to be uncomfortable. I want you to get that, okay? It's meant to be uncomfortable. If you aren't struggling, you're missing the point of the fast. The point of the fast is to be in need and then lean on God. So you need to make yourself in need to cut out something that you want or you need to where you can lean on God in that time. So uh, it has to be something that's sacrificial. That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, it doesn't have to be food. That is the most common thing, and I think it's the most common thing because you get hungry quick. At least I know I do. And so um, if you really want to get to the, 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 the dependency part quickly, cut out your, your meals, and you'll get it pretty quickly, uh, an opportunity to lean on God, um, to be your sustainer. But you can cut out other things. You can cut out technology. Uh, social media, you can cut out all these other things. Uh, it doesn't have to be food, and it can be any amount of time. If you've never fasted before, and you're like, I don't know if I can commit to a day, um, you, could, you could fast for lunch and choose, even whenever you go back to school, man, what a statement this would be to your friends, to, uh, at lunchtime, choose not to eat, and choose that time to just spend time in God's Word. And friends are trying to talk, and you're like, actually, uh, today... Um, I'm just actually going to spend some time reading um, or praying to tell somebody that. It doesn't have to be a whole day. It could be a meal. It could be dinner time. It could be one meal. Um, if it's social media, you could do a month. A fast doesn't have to be um, one specific amount of time. It could be any amount of time. I wouldn't recommend fasting food for a month, but you could do technology. Uh, it could be any amount of time. And the fourth thing, and this is the most significant when it comes to fasting, very practical tip. This is so important. It's not just giving up one thing. You're not just giving up social media and you're going to feel good about it because I gave up social media for six months. It's not just that. It's replacing whatever you're fasting and spending time with God in those times. So whenever you're like, you pull out your phone, you're like, oh, wait, fasting social media. That's when you start praying. It's in replacement of, so mealtimes, if you're fasting food, that's when you really just get alone and you're spending time with God. It's not just cutting out, it's replacing with God. Does that make sense? That is so important. So many people think that they're fasting uh, because they cut out something during Lent season. And they don't spend any time in prayer. And they're like, well, what was the spiritual benefit of that? Well, I cut, I cut out Twinkies. You're like, okay, well didn't draw you any closer to God. So make sure that you're not just cutting out, but use that time when you're in desperate desire of that and you're craving and you're hungry or whatever it is and just spend time with God. It's a statement both to him that you choose him over that thing. It's not just a statement to him, though. It's a reminder to yourself. He is your greatest sustainer, not that thing. It's a statement both to you and to God. Those are the, the four big things that I want to say real quick. But... If fasting is a reminder to you and a statement to God that he is your greatest sustainer, that we depend on him, he is our great provider, not that, as this is a statement both to uh, God and a reminder to ourselves that that is the reality. When should we fast? That's, that's, the, that's the question to ask. When are the best times to fast? And I, I think really it's answered in saying what, what fasting does. It reminds us that he is the one that we should lean on. He is the one that we should depend on. That's what fasting does. So if you're really struggling on trusting in God, you should fast. Choose to lean on God rather than other things you normally lean on. So when are the best times to fast then? Well, I would say 
it would be times that you're most tempted to lean on something other than God. Times in life when you are most tempted to turn to somebody else before you would turn to God. Fast and spend time with God. That's what I would say. Times where you are most tempted to lean on somebody or something else before you would lean on God or depend on God or turn to God for comfort, for love, for affirmation. When you're most tempted to lean on something other than God or someone other than God, those are the times that you should fast to both tell yourself and to tell God, you're my provider more than anyone else, greater than any other thing. I depend on you. That's when, there's two specific times, I think, biblically, that we see people would do this. The first one is before you make a big decision. And many of you guys are like, well, I've never done that. So uh, my parents make my decisions. (laughs) It's true. Just wait. You'll make a lot of big decisions. The older people, especially whenever you start deciding college and um, uh, considering dating, um, I think, this sounds crazy, right? This sounds crazy. Like, okay, you're going to make me fast about my next girlfriend? Like, Maybe, yeah, I think, honestly, this is, it sounds crazy, but hear me out, hear me out, because I think we are so prone to cut God out of our decisions, but if we would call um, ourselves Christians, Christ followers, and we would say that he is our greatest provider, that we would lean on him in the way that our life should go, shouldn't he be a part of these decisions? I mean, but it's just so easy to, practically speaking, day to day, Day in and day out, it's so easy to make decisions and not consider God. Maybe we should challenge that norm. Maybe we should consider that shouldn't be the, the truth. And it sounds hyper-Christian, right, to say, well, I'm going to fast if I should really date that person. I know, I get it. But if you think about it biblically, should not Christ be at the center of all of our decisions, all the things? And I'm not saying fast uh, to figure out what you wear tomorrow, but like I'm really, that's why I said big decisions, but like really... Where do, you, where do you draw that line? I think we should, at the very least, lean on God more than we do when it comes to our decisions. I think we can all agree on that. I think a lot of decisions we make, and God has no part in it, yet we say God is our leader, and God is the one that will, um, he's our shepherd. He will walk us down the path that we should walk, yet we've never <laughs> spent time asking God, should I do this? It just seems contradictory. And so I would say we are most tempted to cut God out of our decision making. That's when we should fast when we're about to make a decision. Because it's a statement to us and to God that we lean on him, not ourselves, not somebody else, not your mentor, not your best friend. You lean on him first. Maybe they can speak, uh, God can speak through that person or through your own thought process, but look to God, look to God. You can see this in um, Acts 14. It says, when they, that is Paul and Barnabas, uh, had pointed elders, appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So, and we actually see this in uh, the prior chapter, Acts 13, um, right at the very beginning where, where they actually had decided whether or not Paul and Barnabas should go out and be missionaries. It says that the people prayed and fasted on this. And then now in 14, Paul and Barnabas are the ones that are appointing people to be the officials of a church, and they pray and fast. Because this is a big decision. These are people that are going to be the spiritual leaders of other people, and so they want God in on it. 
Sounds crazy, right? They want God in on this decision. It's an important decision. It's a big decision. And I think we should have God weigh in and we should really look to God. But it's so easy just to turn to our friends, turn to ourselves, make a decision, and still say that we are led by God, that he is our great provider. He is the one that we lean on. But we just don't show that practically in how we live. So, and that's true for my, for my own life. Like Sarah and I, we've made a decision together that we're going to run things by each other. I mean, we get, we get down to the details probably more than we should. Like, I'll text her, like, hey, I, I found this book for six bucks. You cool with me buying it? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. You haven't bought too many books lately. So, like, like we run things by, like, she, she's like, I'm super hungry. I can't make it back to the house. Can I run by uh, McDonald's? And it's like, no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we run things by each other because we really want to be bound together in the things that we do in life. I say that I want to live life with my wife. I want to bind us together, and so we would make decisions together. I want her to weigh in on the things I do. We say the same thing about God, yet we don't live that way with God. We live that way with our spouse or our best friend or our parents, but God has no part in that equation, and so I'm just maybe challenging us to, to consider, as silly as it might sound, when you're picking your college, fast about it. When you're picking a person that you might get in a serious relationship with, down the road, I don't want to get in trouble with parents, but maybe fast about it. I know it sounds crazy, but make God a part of your decision making. Because those are the times when you are most tempted to not lean on him, not depend on him, and create idols out of very good things like parents and mentors. If you're going to lean on them before God, as good of a thing as it is, as parents are, it's an idol. If you don't Lean on God as your primary provider, as your primary sustainer. So, as silly as it might sound, I think when we make decisions, you can gauge on what's a big decision and what's not. Probably not what you're going to wear tomorrow. I can help you out there. Pick that decision, you know, gauge what's a big decision and what's not. And I would say consider fasting when you're, when you're going to make a decision. I know it sounds crazy. It doesn't have to be a full day. It can be a meal. Just cut out a meal in your day just to where you can just spend time with God and say, I really want to hear what you have to say about this, God. That's what I would have to say. Uh, there's one other, there's two things total, and so one other time that I think we should um, fast because this is a time where we are very tempted to not lean on God and to lean on something or someone else, and that is when you are really discouraged. I think when you are really discouraged, when you are upset, when you're in a dark place, man, what a time to lean on God more than anything else. When you are discouraged, when you are sad, these are the, the greatest temptation time, I think, in making an idol out of something good is when you are really sad and you need comfort. Who do you run to? It's not bad to run to your spouse. Trust me, I do. Uh, you run to your parents. Definitely do. Confide in your parents. But how easy it is to make an idol out of a good thing if you never consider turning to God, the one that you say is your great sustainer, your great provider. These are times where you should consider cutting out a meal and really spending time with God when you are discouraged. We see this all throughout scripture. I just picked three and there's so many more. I literally had to cut it out. I had like seven or eight, maybe nine examples and I was like, okay, they don't want to hear all of them. 
they'll get the point with three. So Judges 20, um, we see that Israelites are in the battle, uh, in a battle with Benjaminites. And I uh, say that seven times fast. Benjaminites, Benjamin, sorry. Um, and they're in this battle and they lose. And this is what we see. The whole Israelite army went to Bethel where they wept and they sat before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening. And you think about it, it's like, okay, so they lost a battle and they started fasting about it. Yeah, they lost their brothers um, out on the, the battlefield, friends, probably siblings or parents or sons. And they lost these people and they come back and they're discouraged. They've just been beaten. They're beaten down. What do they do? They weep and they fast to spend time with God. They lean on him. 2 Samuel 1, this is right after again, more people died in battle, including the, the king of Israel, King Saul. This is uh, right after David finds out that Saul had died, and it says they mourned and wept and fasted until the evening for those who died by the sword. And so they were discouraged. They were in a dark place because people they loved had died. At such a time, wouldn't we so quickly run to this person or that person, or they chose to run to God. And I think we really need to consider how much do we run to God in our dark, dark times. This, these, I think, are perfect times to fast to where we fend off idolatry. That sounds really harsh and really strong worded, but we fend off idolatry by choosing to run to God when it's easy not to. Second Samuel 12 um, and this is really common. You guys all know the, the um, t- story of David with Bathsheba and God would strike down that son that they end up having. Well, this is 2 Samuel 12, 16. It says, David pleaded with God for the boy. He fasted. He went home and spent the night lying on the ground. And if you just keep reading, I didn't have enough space on the slide. But if you just keep reading, it says that he was just weeping before God. And he fasted. We see that there's this correlation between discouragement sadness, and this fasting before God. I think a lot of it might have to do with, because when you're discouraged, is such a temptation time to lean on something other than God. It's so good to lean on a spouse, to lean on a friend, to lean on a parent, to lean on a sibling, to confide in somebody, and to, to seek refuge with that person, to really trust them, to be transparent with them. Most definitely, I'm not arguing against that. I'm just saying, how much are we doing with that with God? And so maybe we should consider when you're discouraged, when you're sad, if if you're in a time right now where that's you, maybe consider taking a meal out or a day. Man, how much I think spiritual breakthrough you would have in that cloud of darkness if you spend an entire day where you're hungry and really craving food but every time you did you're making a statement to God and to you saying I trust in you in this dark time when I'm hungry and I'm irritable and I'm tired you're my only sustainer man I think that will speak to yourself and it will speak to God of your dependence on him and your love for him bound to God more when you do that. I really think so. And so um, I, know, I know as we walk out of here, it's probably going to be really weird to consider fasting. I think many of us, are we've never done it. And uh, it just kind of seems extraterrestrial. Right? It's just like, okay, that's out there. No one does that. I think maybe we should, we should consider changing that. 
whatever that looks like. Maybe it's social media. But I think just because it's a lost art, it's a lost discipline in the church today, I don't think it should be. I think that many of us, though we say we're dependent on God, need to make that true in how we live. And fasting is a perfect vehicle to make that happen, to say, I'm going to depend on God as my sustainer today. And I'm going to prove that in how I live and what I do. So I'm going to cut out that, whatever it is, to where I have more time on him, with him because I really need him right now. That's what fasting is, and I think it's a beautiful thing that many people don't take advantage of. There's these lyrics that, uh, of this song that I love. It's called Clear the Stage by Jimmy Needham. And uh, probably you guys are a, lot of, a lot of you guys are sick of me talking about Jimmy Needham. I talk about him all the time. But he's just so good. And so, um, but these are some lyrics. And he writes, Anything I put before God is an idol. Anything I want with all my heart is an idol. Anything I can't stop thinking about is an idol. And anything that I give all my love is an idol. I think when we start to see those things in our lives, as we depend on those things, as we love those things, as we love that person, as we depend on that person, we have to make sure that we're not creating an idol out of a very good thing. And to do that, I think you can cut out things. You don't have to cut out the relationship. Cut out food and just spend time with God. Make him your focus, not, not something else. Otherwise, if they are or it is your greatest desire, your greatest love, the thing that you always think about, you're facing idolatry. I was, um, I was at the church yesterday with Pastor Nick and... Um, a woman came in and she just dropped a bombshell on us in her story like in 30 seconds. And then she's like, see you later, and walked out into her car and we just looked at each other like, what just happened? And then she came back in and talked to us more. But she just walked in. Um, it happens a lot. Um, but she walked in and she just came up and you could tell she just wanted to tell somebody how she was feeling. She just, she just wanted to get it out there. Like, she probably didn't have anyone to talk to. I don't know. Um, but she just walks up. And we, at this point, I was on my laptop, and uh, so I wasn't even, like, paying attention to my surroundings. And she just walked straight up to me. And so I didn't even, like, really, like, wave her over. I didn't say hello. I didn't initiate. But she just walked straight up, and she says, uh, I just adopted my son, and he left us. And uh, my daughter, she is, um, she's on drugs, and I, she comes home only sometimes. And so I miss her, and I'm sad for her. And my other daughter, she doesn't want anything to do with us. I haven't heard from her in, an, in like a year, I think she said. It was a long time. And then she's like, I gotta run out to my car. And like, I'm like, what? Like, shut my laptop, like, start over. I had no idea what she was talking about. Um, she just wanted to tell somebody. She was hurting in so much pain. I think what a beautiful time. I didn't suggest you need to go and fast. But like what a beautiful time to spend time with God. Because this sounds horrible and insensitive, and I'm really not trying to be, because I, I ended up spending time and we talked, but how easy it is if you and I were in her shoes to make other people an idol. 
If we don't spend any time, I don't, you know, like, I don't know her, her walk with Christ, if she's a Christian, I, I don't know. But if you and I proclaim Christ and we're in her shoes and we don't spend any time talking through that with God, yet obviously we want to pour out our guts about what's happening and we're so in pain Yet if we don't choose to talk to God about that, yet we claim Christianity, are we not making an idol out of people that very well could listen to us and give us good advice? Are we not creating an idol of them when we really should be spending time with God and fasting and just seeking Him? Most definitely talk to those people. Don't not talk to those people. But spend time with God. Otherwise, I think you'll just create idols. I really think that we should, in these times, whether you're in a dark place, you're discouraged, or upset, bind yourself with God as you become dependent on Him before other things. As you're about to make a big decision, as silly as it might sound, bind yourself to Him. Bind yourself to Him as you depend on Him, as you rely on Him to lead you more than anything or anyone else. It's hard and it's not normal, but that's something we should do. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.